Hey, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? I was, I was trying to keep my large noggin out of the way, and it's like almost impossible. <laughs> so it is super excited to be here, honestly. And it's like, it's wild to stop and think that, that we, that Kensington Church, and again, my name's Jeremiah, that we get to be part of like a church that's bigger than just like one person's church. And uh, I love like just meeting just briefly, like a lot of the team that's here and watching the energy. And it's like, I'm telling you, Flat out, this is an incredible place to be. We had Shay back at our campus just like several months ago, and we told people, like, if you live near the Grand Blank area, you're around here or anything at all, like, you need to leave here and go with him. You need to go. And we, like, said that, and all of a sudden people are like, okay, and we get emails, texts, like, hey, we're leaving you guys. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but we really want that. We really do. So we are, like, thankful to, to watch and see what's going on here. And I'm telling you, if you are a first-time visitor, you're in an incredible place, and hold on, because they're going somewhere great. So well, I just want to introduce you to my family. Uh, we were at, like, a Mexican dinner. This is, like, the Facebook-worthy photos. Do you know what I'm talking about? The ones where they're here, like, the, the, like 10 seconds, if you could reel back in time, it was, if you don't sit still for the, you know what I mean? The picture kind of deal. And I, I told Shay, I'm like, the picture's great. Is there any way to get my head not to look as this big? My head's been this big since like sixth grade. It has, I feel like just recently growing into it. But today we're talking about guardrails. And uh, the definition of a guardrail, we got it right here, I want to share with you. Uh, it, really, it's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And that makes sense. And even from the bumper video you saw earlier, it's like, hey, oh, how do I know when I need one? When you hit one, then you realize you needed one. You know what I mean? And they, they keep you away from just dangerous, crazy areas that you could literally drive into. And so, but for today, we're kind of talking about the idea of having guardrails in our life. We're talking about the idea of saying like, hey, there's a pathway or a roadway, if you would, that we're trying to follow, we're trying to go somewhere in our life, most of us are, right? And, uh, and so when we're doing that, like these guardrails can protect us and help us and keep us, really prevent us from like flying off the rails relationally, flying off the rails financially, morally, ethically, like all these different areas that we really do sometimes need reminders, we need buffer zone, we need guardrails. And so our definition today really for guardrail, we're gonna move because we're not vehicles, we're people, Right? And so it's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So it's like a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. This is something that we want to say, we just don't want to like do behavior modification. Forget about that. We're hoping for like heart modification. We're hoping that this can prevent the things in life when we get derailed that we, we're like, oh, why did I do that? Or how did this happen? Or how did I get here? And how many of you, you just be honest, I've got tons of my life. How many of you have regrets? Like you could say, I could look back this past week, past month, past year, past my lifetime, like half of us, right? And so the other half, you'll have regret one day that you lied a lot in, in church, you know? And so <laughs> we all have regrets. We just do, you know? And so we're, we're sitting here and one of my regrets was, uh, when I think about it, was I was trying to impress my wife and her family when I first met her. I had like kind of a smaller family, not a huge extended family in the Michigan area, and she's got this enormous family. She's married into Italian, so there's like, uh, it was like Cousin Vinny kind of moment, you know what I mean? There's like, there's like seven Uncle Tonys, I'm not even kidding you, like 13 Rickies, they're like, hey man, I'm Ricky, this is Tony, this is Tony, this is Tony Jr., and I'm like, dang it, I won't forget the name, but I don't know which, you know, how you said which one's what, and so when we get to this open house, and we're, we're, she said, I want you to go on, because we had met and got married in nine months. And so we got like, when we met, we knew, we were in love. And so 
We're like, let's seal the deal and tie the knot, you know? And so she's like, I want you to know my family. I have a big family and I love them, care about them. And she's like, I want you to know them. She's like, this would be a great space, a great opportunity for you to get to know them. I'm like, terrific. So we go, you know, we're there and I'm just eating a ton of food, man. They have food everywhere, like hundreds of people. And I'm meeting Tony and Ricky and their wives and their kids and everybody, you know? And I'm eating, I'm eating, and all of a sudden I'm like, it hit me. I'm like, man, I've had like 13 pounds of cheese dip, you know what I mean? Mastacholi coming out of my ears. I don't know what to do, you know? And all of a sudden, my stomach is growling. I'm like, oh, no, not right now. We've got another hour to go. <laughs> you ever have those monologues in your own mind, you know, and you're like, hold it back. And then you start doing moves where you're kind of walking funny, and you're trying to just hold your stomach. And so I, I'm like, there's got to be a bathroom. And I was there with my buddy, Mike Mosier, because uh, he was dating my sister-in-law at the time, not dating her anymore. I, I usually don't tell this story when she's in the audience. But anyhow, so, and he said, well, dude, let's go in the bathroom. And they had one bathroom, but they had like, it was on the main level, and it was a pocket door. Do you guys have pocket doors? Anybody have a pocket door? They're from the devil. I'm like, dude, who does this? Because they're always like a quarter-inch opening. It's like a peak show. It's like we know there's something going on in there, you know? And I'm like, I couldn't do it because there's too many people walking back and forth, and it didn't, it didn't have a latch either. And it was too far, so I'm like, I can't stop it if somebody opens the door. And I don't want to meet people that way. And so he goes, well, we can go to the basement. But it was off limits. So they had, like, chairs up where they're like, clearly don't want anyone in the basement. And, I'm, and Mike's like, it's fine, dude. I'm like, no, I don't want to violate their you know, Uncle Tony's, whoever's house we're at, you know, trust, I don't want to do that. And he says, just go down there. It's fine. I'm like, oh, fine. I go down there. We, I know you're like, are you really telling me a story? I sure am. <laughs> Welcome to Grumlaw. I may never be back. You know, <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? So, uh, so we go down there, use the restroom. Everything's great. I flush. Right. And, uh, and by the way, this wasn't number one and you can use your imagination. So it doesn't flush, and, and I do what you're not supposed to do. I panic, and I flush again, and I flush like 13 times. I'm like, come on! Now water's overflowing, and everything that was supposed to go down is beginning to come up. And I'm like, no! And I run out. My buddy Mike is there, and he's like, what, what's going on in there, dude? I'm like, dude, everything that was supposed to go down is coming up. You know, this is not good. This is all about making a great first impression, you know? And you said to come down here, and I'm more mad. And so I, I see this bounty like paper towel roll over here and it's awesome and I'm like yeah, you've seen the commercials right where the kid knocks over 37 gallons of red juice and the mom's like don't worry about that you know she just pulls it out one one perforated piece of it and it soaks it all up you know and I'm like well if it can do that it can do wonders well I just did in there and so I begin to put around my hands and he's like what are you doing I'm like I'm making mittens I'm like because why are you making mittens I'm like because I got to go in man I got to declog what I clogged I can't leave it like that people saw us walk down here you told me to come down here we shouldn't have so I go down and I, I, I scoop in and I bring out what was down and I, I know I know I'm trying to make a good impression and it's an Italian I don't even know if they're the Italian mob I'm like I may lose my life you know so I run and I can't find a garbage can and we hit this thing and it's it pops out, and I throw it in there, put it back in, and it's, it's like an actual trash compactor. It starts going, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> then I got to clean up, but I've used all the paper towels. I got to clean up the floor. There's water and stuff everywhere. And so I, I run back in, and I see a blue towel hanging up, and I grab the blue towel, and I get on the floor, and I begin to mop up the floor, and I realize this blue towel is huge. I'm like, this, thank God to get this towel here. You know? And I'm wiping it up, and I realize the towel's got pockets. I'm like, this is the craziest towel I've ever had. And it's got this little belt that goes around it, and then I realize... This is Uncle Tony's robe. This <laughs> is not a towel at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Finally, I, we, 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 like, we, we hide. I literally, I mean, I'm so embarrassed to restate this. Maria's always like, I can't believe I married you. Moment, you know, and I tell this, we hide this thing. We run back upstairs, and I'm so mad at my buddy. I'm like, I can't believe, I tell Maria what I did. And she's like, what? What did you do? 
you did what? Like, how did that happen? You know, and, and I'm looking, I'm like, dude, you're, you, you told me to go down there. And like, regrets. We have friends sometimes that they're not doing a great job helping us instill guardrails in our life. You know what I mean? And, and we know this growing up, like in, in American culture, like, I don't know if you had parents, like I had parents growing up, but they would always say things to the effect of like, you know what? Uh, like, you can't hang out with them. And I'm like, well, why not? You know? And they're like, well, because nobody's over there. I'm like, that's not a big deal. Their mom's not home. Their dad's not home. What could possibly go wrong? Mom, it's fine. You know? And, and it's like how it was. But, and I had one of those moms that were intense and pretty crazy, too. Like, she would stand, like, I remember even being younger in upper elementary, and she'd put her foot in the bathroom door and say, hey, there's any weirdos or perverts in there. You let me know. And I would look, all the guys would look, and I'd walk in. And I'm like, I don't know about in here, but out there, there's a weirdo at the door <laughs> yelling in, you know, like one of those moments. But it was just like, there's this protectivism, like this thing where they, our parents want us to hang out with a, a good friends. And why is that such a big deal? Well, because there's a kind of a statement. It says, your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. You say, is that true? Really, because you think, and like we all think, I'm in charge of my own life. I'm going to do my own thing, make my own decisions. That's just how it's going to be. That's not always the case. That you and me and all of us really, we need this thing called acceptance. And we often find this with friends. We really do. And there's this other idea, this other statement I want to kind of make. It says that acceptance leads to influence. Acceptance leads to influence. Like, I desperately want to be accepted. I, I, I just, I do, right? And I want to, I want to fit in. I want to, I want to make it, you know what I mean? And I, I, I can remember wanting to get on the JV basketball team so bad. And, I, and we got promoted. We got kind of pulled up from, from junior high because we were, like, tall and, and bigger but kind of still really clumsy. And I could put on this JV team. And I remember it was coming down to, like, just a few moments. And my job was to get rebounds and throw it to my buddy Ryan Morga. He was the point guard. And I wasn't supposed to dribble. I was a kid that when there was a break when I dribbled, they would hit my knee and go off. And they're like, Roy, it's my last name. Don't do that anymore. Stop. You know what I mean? And so I remember we get there, and it's like halftime, and I want to fit in. And all of a sudden, I realize it's, this could be my moment. Uh, I, I've got the ball, and I'm throwing it into Brian. He hits double team, and he throws it back to me. And I look up, and there's like two seconds, man. There's only two seconds left. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like at half court, and I'm like, I, I, we do half court shots all the time after practice. This is it. I can see it, man. I'm going to throw it up. Man, everyone's going to stand up and cheer. It's going to swish. Cheerleaders are going to come over and say, Jeremiah, you know, and like in my mind. And I'm doing this within a two-second window, right? You know? And I get the ball, and I just launch it. And sure enough, man, I see Coach Slate, and he gets off the bench. He's like, Roy. And I think he's like just starting to cheer, like, Roy, Roy, you know. And everyone's excited, and they're off the bench, and people are, people are looking at me. And they're, the looks aren't what I thought they were supposed to be. They're kind of like strange looks, you know. But the, anyhow, the ball's going, and it goes, and it goes, and it it makes its way toward the rim, and I'm like, this is of the alignment. It's perfect. The ball is going to go in through the hoop. It's, there's no doubt, you know, and it, and it kind of accelerates, and it goes above the rim and above the backboard and right through those two posts that kind of hold the backboard in place. And my friends, being great middle school friends and JV friends that I had, stood up, and they're like, it's good, you know. And all of a sudden, I realized, and he was, like, yelling, Roy, look at the clock. And there was, like, actually two minutes and two seconds left. We had plenty of time, but yet I turned the ball back over their team and we lost the game. It was, ended up losing the game. It was terrible. Man, I'm like, I cannot believe that happened. But this desire for acceptance runs deep in each one of us. It does. And, and when we yield the acceptance that we need, we do it through the form of vulnerability. And we do it in the case where we then let people influence into our lives in a huge way. And when people have influence, John Maxwell says this is like influence is leadership. And so when you're giving somebody influence in your life, you're really saying, hey, back that, would you lead me 
because I'm going to let you influence me, which is really you're going to lead me. You're, in other words, if you're my buddy or my friend, you're going to kind of determine the direction and quality of my life. You're going to do that. That's how it happens. Does this make sense? This is what goes on in not just American culture, but really humanity. This is how we're wired. This is what we do. And so this is a big deal because we begin to open ourselves up to be very vulnerable. We need acceptance. We're understanding that our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. If they're influencing, they're leading us. And sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's stupid things where it's like, yeah, use the bathroom in the basement. Hello, it's broke. You know what I mean? Or, or, or just like, or there can be worse ones. It's like, you're not too drunk to drive. It's fine. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. Your wife's not going to care about that. Let's go. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. It's like, I'm going to spend this here, and I, I think it's, it doesn't, right? It's like these are sometimes we make just bad choices and bad decisions often up to influence, and sometimes there's no coming back from them. I remember one of the first funerals I ever had to do as a young, a young guy trying to work at a church and do ministry, and it was for an 18-year-old young man, and I remember the place was packed. And they always are. When somebody's in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, there's close friends and families, but when they're young, it's loaded with people. And you know why? Because they know about all the potential. They begin to dream and think, well, they were planning on doing this, and they could have become this, and they should have done this, and this never should have happened, right? And it's, it's where it goes. And so I'm there, and I'm, I'm trying to wrap words around and find out how to say and comfort a grieving mother and a father that's angry and, and friends that are distraught and confused and people that are just saying, why? And I remember this young man and I heard the story from his dad. He said he hung out and he kept partying with these buddies, these friends he shouldn't have, and I told him not to. And these guys, they went out late one night and they drank too much and they did drugs and they did all sorts of stuff and they panicked because this kid passed out and he wasn't waking up. And they didn't call 911 and they didn't call the police and they didn't go to his house and knock on the door and get his dad to wake up and say, hey, something's wrong, we can't wake him up. You know, they didn't do any of that. They, they just brought him home and they put him on the front porch. And he never woke up. I'm telling you, this acceptance leads to influence, and the influence means that we're being led, and sometimes we're being led down places that we shouldn't have ever gone, that we probably never even wanted to go. And it brings us there. But then you have incredible stories, like Kyle, right, that's rededicating his life to Jesus, and he, 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 there's this, like, an awakening in his life, and he's like, oh my gosh, this God, this, there's this power, there's this unbelievable future and prospect for my life, I can't believe it, it's incredible, right, and the, and and he was influenced. He, he said there was somebody that greeted him, somebody that talked to him, somebody that influenced him. He was vulnerable and needed acceptance and got influenced and it was for a great way. So are we all together? Does it make sense? Like friends really do determine the direction and quality of our lives. They just do. And so lucky for us, like we're just going to focus on honestly like one verse today. We're going to focus on one scripture. We're going to kind of hone in on it, okay? And it's by a guy named Solomon. Have you ever heard of a guy named Solomon before? He was supposedly supposed to be the wisest person ever walked the face of the planet. This guy's incredible, right? He's full of wisdom, full of knowledge. He's got timeless truths, things, in other words, that can be applied to our life all the time. And so Solomon's sitting there, and he says this. I want to just open you up to this scripture. He says this. He says in Proverbs 13, 20, and this is an incredible verse, honestly, even if, if you don't have a Bible, or you do the Bible app, or you can get a Bible back there, but this is an incredible verse. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools eventually suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools eventually suffers harm. Solomon's saying if you want wisdom, you want to make great choices, you want to have foresight, you want to forecast a really bright future, you need to walk with the wise because then you'll become wise. But, he says, a companion of fools will eventually suffer harm. 
Say, what does that mean? I want to kind of break this down a little bit, okay? In this, there are really three things. There's a promise, a warning, and there's a description, really, of a fool. The promise is really kind of simple. He says, hey, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Say, what do you mean? Wise people, people with wisdom in Scripture when they're described, these are the people that actually understand that life is really connected. In other words, the decision I made yesterday influence today. The decisions I make today will inform and help me understand what? Tomorrow, right? Like it's all connected. Like wise people understand this. They get this, you know, like Solomon's like, so if you walk with the wise, you could become wise. He said, but there's a warning. He says for a companion, in other words, a friend, companionship, friendship, relationship, like connectivity with people. If you're a companion of fools, eventually, he says eventually you'll suffer. I want to really like help you understand this part of it, okay? He's not saying if you hang out with a bunch of fools, because some of it, we all have friends. How many have friends that you love them dearly and they're just like sometimes not right in the head? You know what I mean? But you don't give up on them, you're with them, right? I'm probably one of those to many people too. And so like, <laughs> right? And thank God that we love people, right? And so, but he says if you hang out with them, eventually you'll suffer harm, eventually, he says, you're not a fool because you hang out with fools, but eventually the blowback, the debris of their life, it's going to hit you. It's going to scar you. It's going to end up like that 18-year-old young man. He didn't mean to go that far. He wasn't planning on it. It wasn't his purpose, his goal, but all of a sudden he did, and boom. And it's like, man, and then the fool, it describes the fool. Solomon's saying there are foolish people out there. They really don't care about their life. They don't care about how their life affects other people's lives. I have a friend that I love very much, right now, and he is making choices that are just like, we've talked, and we're like, dude, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you, after 17 years of marriage, why are you giving up? Well, I just don't feel in love anymore. Well, well, yeah, well, why don't we go to counseling? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do it? No, I'm just done. I'm just, I'm done. You know, and it doesn't matter what I do. And I'm like, yeah, it does. You have two amazing kids, right? That, 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 that was hard, hard to come by, by the way, because they had to go through all sorts of different fertility treatments and all sorts of stuff. And I'm, we're talking through the history of him and I knowing each other and what their family has gone through. And he's just kind of, I don't, I don't think it's going to affect my kids too much. Are you kidding? Right? I don't think it's, it's going to affect Sarah. I don't think it's going to affect my, my, my wife too much. It doesn't matter. I just, she'll have to go get retooled. Really, she put her life on pause and she's been trying to help you raise a family in this. And she, you're going to just want her to get back in the workplace and the workforce. This is all going to work out? No, I don't think so. But there seems to be this foolishness in him, and I love him, and we're talking, and I'm like, dude, wake up. You seem to care less about how this is going to affect everyone around you. And Solomon's saying there's a foolishness in all of us, in people, and, and the foolishness is one of which we're, we don't care how it affects everybody else. And people that don't care about their marriage, they don't care about your marriage. People that don't care about the outcome when they're driving home at 2 a.m. from the bar and who is the least drunk, they don't care about your outcome either. People that don't care about their career, they really don't care about yours either. People that don't care about their finances, they really don't care about yours either. You say, this is strong. Well, I'm telling you, this one verse, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools will eventually suffer harm. Solomon's saying, with all the wisdom in the world that he had, and a purview of seeing life spread out over 70 or so years, He's saying, you know what? I've watched this unfold many times, maybe in my own life. I know you have. I have too. We probably could get up here and share stories about whether it be ourselves or people around us. And we're like, man, why did they do that? Why did they make that decision? That was insane. That was crazy. What were they thinking? And a lot of times, the friendships they had, the people they ran with, it influenced them in such a way where they didn't walk with the wise. Instead, they were companions of fools. And eventually, them and everybody around them suffers hard because you and I both know this. That when people make crazy mistakes and people just do insane things, there's shrapnel, there's debris, and it blows up all over. 
And people get impacted. And I was telling my friend, I'm like, dude, your son and your daughter, they're gonna be impacted by this. They're gonna be confused by this. They're gonna be distraught by this. They're gonna feel abandoned by this. Are you judging? Not at all. I love him so much. Are you saying you have a great marriage? Are you kidding? Do you know how many times we've had to go to marital counseling, right? I'm telling you, like, uh, my wife is strong-willed. No, I'm just kidding. It's my fault. <laughs> Half the time, I can say those kind of things when she's not here, but the truth is, it's me more often than not. It screws up, and I need help, and I'm really saying I'd be, I've been a fool. And we'll see a counselor. I'm like, can we walk with you? You're wise. Can you help us? Because my wife hung out with a companion, and it was me, and, and he was a fool, and that was me, and she <laughs> suffered harm. Do you see? And I need wisdom. And so I'm saying for myself, if this isn't even for you and you're wise and awesome and you don't need this, tune me out. But if you do and you've had decisions in your life that have hurt you or you've got people that you love and care about and they're hurting you and others around you, this is really crucial. And so I just want to do this. I just want to walk through and make like five simple suggestions. Five simple suggestions to you, okay? These are like really relational guardrails. We're talking all about guardrails. Today we're really talking about friendships, relationships, companionship. You know what I mean? This can, this can be really applicable for your marriage. This can be applicable for a business relationship. This can be just a really close friendship. This can be extended family because family is amazing, but sometimes family are like frenemies, like best friends, worst enemies all together. Do you know what I mean? And so this can be applicable anywhere. And Solomon's saying if you apply this timeless wisdom, if we really begin to process them, we have guardrails in our life that really become like a matter of not just safety, but of conscious. They become something in our, car, our heart where we pay attention. We're like, oh my gosh, if we don't pay attention to this, we could get derailed. If I don't pay attention and watch this red flag that's popping up, something bad's going to happen. And just like I'm telling you, my friend and I, we've gone back and forth to the point where he, he doesn't want to return my calls anymore, but I keep calling him because I want to know I love him. And I'm not condemning him, but I'm like, I love you and I don't want to see you fly off the rails. You know what I mean? that thing. And so I kind of want to just take us through just for a moment. And so we're going to go through these relational guardrails. And this is how it works. This is kind of like our tagline as we go through these, okay? Your conscience, okay, should, what do those two words say? Can you see them? Awesome, man. So we're good. So your conscience should light up up when, and then we're going to go through these five different things. And we're just going to talk through them. And I honestly, I want you to know, by no means is this like a judgmental thing at all. This is for us as a community, it's, a, it's just like really like people. And I'm telling you, uh, like I, Shay knows, I, I'm about as screwed up as they, they get up here. I don't even know why they let me get up and talk. Sometimes they do, you know? They're like, you make people laugh and once in a while I say something that's somewhat wise, you know? And so like you're in. And, but it's for me as much as it's for you and it's for all of us because I'll, I'll, here's my heart and our heart and I really feel like the heart of God. The heart of God in spite of whatever we've thought about religion really is deeply in love with each one of you. He's in love with everybody in Grand Blank. He's in love with people in Clarkson. He's in love with people all over the place, and he cares about us. And like a true father, not a father that forgets about their kids or doesn't care, but a true father, he cares about you staying like in the lane, like being on a roadway, like having a map, going somewhere, doing something incredible with your life. It really does. And so I, I just, I, I say it from that point of view, that posture, okay? And so the first one is this. Your conscience should light up. Light up. When your core group isn't moving the direction you want your life to be moving. When your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving. You've seen it in movies. We've watched it. This plays out. and We're like, man, how does this, what does this look like? You've seen it where like the hero, the future hero, our star character in the movie is sitting there and maybe they're at a bar counter or they're sitting at a party and they're looking around and it hits them. All of a sudden they're like, you know what? This isn't really the direction I want to go in my life. Have you ever felt that way? 
Have you ever had that moment where you're just kind of like, I don't know what the deal is, but I, I don't want to be going this way. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I don't want to see myself here five years from now. When you look at everybody around you, you begin to look at the ambition level and the awareness, and they seem to like they don't really care, and they're just kind of like good with whatever. And for you, you're not mad at them. You don't not love them. You care about them, but there's something in your heart stirring up, and you're like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this. I don't quite understand this, but there's got to be something different, you know, and better. And it's so interesting with Jesus when it comes to this, because Jesus was the same way. When he introduced himself into people's lives, like Shay was mentioning this guy named Jesus earlier. Jesus is amazing. He's the son of God, but he was just like, as much as he was all God, he was all man. And when he comes to earth, he sees people like these disciples, like Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, do you know what? Would you like to follow me? Because there's this incredible thing. I'd love to take you on an adventure. I'd love to take you to do something incredible. I'd love to take you, you know, and do things you never even thought possible. And I think about a guy named Peter who was just a fisherman, and he was kind of a brawler and, a, and an angry guy and crazy. And he was like, I love scripture when you read it. It's real people. They're not like these holy religious people. They're like these crazy people sometimes, you know? And Peter was just like this, would have been a bar brawler probably, you know? He's just intense, right? Jesus is like, hey, you seem like you'd be great, Captain of the Guard. Why don't you come with me and follow me? And, and it's wild. Jesus spends time with these 12 people. And you know what's wild is that even now, it's like permeated its way through thousands of years. And this movement's expanded and it's exploded. And we're here even today celebrating and talking and laughing and all sorts of stuff and worship songs at the end and all these things. And it all kind of birthed out of this moment where Jesus showed up and said, hey, is your core group, Peter, are you moving in the direction you want to go? have you ever just thought when you're on the fishing boat and you're sitting there and you're like, there's got to be more to life. Is there more, right? And so I'd say that question to you, like, is that what's going on with you right now? And, and like, honestly, even like these connect groups that you'll see about in the screen, you heard Shay talk about, you see about in the lobby, they're incredible. Some of the greatest people in my life are people in Marie and I's, our small group. We're real with them. We talk with them. They're honest with us. They tell us what they think is great idea, they tell me when they're like, dude, that's a stupid idea, you know, and I feel like I'm hearing that all the time in the group with them, you know, but it's great, and we're like moving the same direction. Now, the second one is this, your conscience should light up when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than you really are. We know when we see this, has anybody seen on the, the weather, have anybody seen like just on any social media outlet, the weather channel, the guy from the weather channel, it was like, like, He's like, it's so crazy in Florida, and it is crazy in Florida. I, mean, I feel like this is going to backfire on me somehow, but it, it's crazy in Florence. And then two guys in basketball shorts are like walking behind him like this. <laughs> this guy's like, dude, you're pretending. It's not that windy right now where you are, you know? And, and, and sometimes our friends will influence us to do crazy things. I remember a good buddy of mine, Ryan Morgan, I remember our, we were our, our senior year, and we, for some reason, man, I don't know if we're late bloomers, whatever, but our, like our beards were just kind of growing in. Mine was like really just a, a field of peach fuzz, you know? And he's like, I got this awesome idea. And he's like, come up here. And we go to his, uh, his mom's bathroom. We're like, what, what are we doing here, dude? You know? And uh, he pulls out her mascara. And I'm like, this is getting weird. You know? He goes, no, check this out. He goes, have you noticed how sweet my goatee is? And I'm like, it's really dark looking. He goes, because I've been using this. <laughs> I go, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah. And dude, I can do the same for you. And my hair is like totally blonde. So I, I shave everything but like the goatee part and, and put the mascara in. And all of a sudden, I look in the mirror, he goes, it looks awesome. And I'm like, yeah. And I think, like, in retrospect, I think I looked like a, like a, like I bombed out and, like, didn't make the cut for, like, Pirates of the Caribbean standing. <laughs> you know, this is great. And so we go to this party, and it's outside, and we're in the sun, we're hanging out, and we're talking to girls, and we're like, hey, ladies. You know what I mean? How are you doing? And we're just thinking we're awesome because of these powerful black goatees, you know? <laughs> and so we, we're there, we're hanging out, and all of a sudden, it's, like, hot, and mine starts to melt. It's not like... <laughs> This whole, ladies, this waterproof, that's, yeah, that's crap. I don't know what happened. It's all over the place. And I can feel it, and I try to, like, 
do something with it and it just makes it worse. And all of a sudden I look over my buddy Brian's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, we got to get out of here. Why? And then I, I run to this, inside this people's house looking. I'm like, oh dear Lord, I can't get it off my face. It's just crazy. You know, and I'm like, no. And I'm like, why did you tell me to do this? I needed this message back then when I was 18 guardrails. I'm like, this is dumb, dumb idea that we're pretending to be something we weren't. I remember hanging out with the good friends of ours. And uh, every time I was around my buddy, he was really sarcastic with his wife. And I know, ladies, you love sarcasm a lot, right? No, it's like the death of relationships. And I'm just, and every time I was with him, I was pretending to be something not. And I'd be sarcastic to fit in. He'd say something smart, and I'd say something smart. And it's all high fives and smiles. So we'd get in the car and shut the door, and we would go, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you know, and we just would get in this big debate. And finally, she was like, I'm sick of this. She's like, you don't knock this off. We're done making out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, my heart is sunk. I'm like, that's not exactly what she said, but anyhow. That's where my brain went because I'm a dumb guy. So, and I thought, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. And I'm like, this is crazy, you know? I'm pretending to be something I'm not. And, we, and the more I, like, he'd be sarcastic and he'd go, yeah, 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 to me. And I'm like, he wouldn't say anything. And before he knew it, we'd kind of fizzle out. And it's not because I didn't love them. It just didn't make sense anymore, you know? Jesus is inviting you to be who you are. I know that sounds so crazy, but it's like, you were each created with this amazing like powerful gift, like the scripture says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, like everything about you were built on purpose for a purpose, each one of you. People that are outside of these walls, people that are inside of the walls right now, all of us have this unique God-given identity that Jesus is inviting us to discover. And he's saying when you're pretending to be something you're not, and you're trying to fit in, or you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you're, you know, like that's not the kind of friendships and community you need. You need community that accepts you and be like, man, dude, I'm proud of you. You're doing an amazing job. Uh, you're, you're stellar, you're awesome, you know what I mean? Like, that's what you need. And that allows to begin to indemnify in your heart and your soul. You're like, this is who I'm supposed to be. The third thing right here, your conscience should light up when you feel pressure to compromise. When you feel pressure to compromise. See, this is a crazy one. Have you ever been in a situation where you just feel like you need to compromise? You feel that pressure? It's, it's those moments when you begin to kind of sit there and you contemplate back and forth. And you're like, oh my gosh, should I do this? Should I not do this? And I remember I had a good friend of mine. We, we invested, Marie and I took really our time life savings and invested in a rental property. And so we got this rental property. And all of a sudden, uh, I had a friend of mine who's like, hey, you don't, you don't really need to put that on your, your taxes. That's not a big deal. You don't need to report all that. It's not a big deal. It's just a little bit of money. And I'm like, and I knew in my heart, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I think we're supposed to. And, uh, and he's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You know, I, he's like, I got a couple of them. We don't do that at all. I don't report all that. Well, sure enough, a year goes by. I'm like, this is great. This is all this money tax-free. I'm telling Maria, I'm like, man, we have this tax-free, tax-free, you know. It's like awesome, you know. And the irony is I'm like, and you're a pastor? And I'm like, I know. I'm, and so anyhow, I'm sitting there, and like finally we get this letter from the IRS. It says, dear Jeremiah Maria Roy, you know, and it wasn't like, dear Jeremiah Maria Roy, you've been outstanding taxpayers. We love you. We just wanted to send you a letter and hope you have a great day. Thanks. It was a big laundry list saying, hey, you know what? We've noticed your income. There's discrepancy with your expenses. This doesn't make sense. We'd like to audit you. And sure enough, I pull up my bank statements. And I just like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Ah, you know, and I'm like sitting there and we ended up owing $4,000. Yeah, that made for a hot date night when I had to tell Maria about that. Compromise. Compromise leads you down paths to do things you never thought you'd do. I'm a good friend of mine. He's got a DUI, and he's hanging on just a thread at this incredible job that he's got, and he can barely hold on to it and say, why? Because it's such a huge deal. Because he didn't realize it was connected. All this stuff was connected, and they found out, and he made a crazy decision, and he compromised in the moment. He's an incredible person, I'm telling you. 
Compromise will lead you to place. Jesus is not inviting you to compromise. He's inviting you to develop a life built on foundational wisdom and honesty and truth. This next one right here. Your conscience should light up when you hear yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate. I'll go, but I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll be the DD. I'll go, right? You know, I'm there. I'll go. It's no big deal. I, I remember a time riding with my buddies. That's when we first got our car and we're, we're hanging out and they're like, would you drive? And we want to go. And they're just being crazy and stupid. And one of them like, you know, rolls their window down and they like, they like want to grab a garbage can, throw it against a thing. And it was just, it was nuts. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. And finally, they throw this garbage can and they hit this mailbox and it flies over and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I like floor it down this road and there's a DTE energy truck like blocking us and we can't back up and all of a sudden we can see the homeowner coming out and I'm like, dear Lord, dear Lord, I don't want to be here, I want to get out, you know? And we're sitting there and I'm like, what do we do? And all of a sudden they're like, my buddy hangs his hand on the window and he's flipping this guy off and all of a sudden this guy gets out and it's like right out of the movie where it's like, Boom, boom. And I'm like, oh, dear heavens, this guy's a giant. He gets out of the car, walks up to us, starts knocking on my window. We have the windows rolled. We can't back up. There's traffic behind us. He's blocking us. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. He goes, he goes get that window down. I'm going to shove that finger where the sun don't shine. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I look over. All my friends, the idiots that I'm with that did this, are back in the corner like, do something, man. And I'm like, I can't. This guy's going to kill me. We're going back and forth. Finally, I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm 16. Don't kill me. He just gives me the ride act and gets back in his car and takes off. The DT energy truck moves off. And I'm like, I look over and my buddies sit back up. And they're like, dude, if that was me, I would have totally got out and kicked his butt. I'm like, what? Whatever. You would not have done anything at all. And I'm like, fools. But I'm like, I'll go, but I won't participate. And whether I wanted to participate or not, I went. Because wise people, right? Like they help other people become wise. But a companion of fools eventually, and there I was, eventually it was going to happen, suffered harm. This final one right here. Your conscience should light up when you hope the people you care about the most don't find out where you've been or, where, or who you've been with. This is a big one. This is one where we're like, this creates tension in the room. This is a big deal. I, I remember all the time, like, we, we, we say, like, at Kensington, there's a group of us guys, and we, like, we try to be accountable this. Say, what do you mean? Phone, like, are you on it too much? You're texting too much? And that's a whole other thing, right? Like, this thing is, like, impacting our generation in a huge way. But no, I'm saying, like, fellas, like, could your wife or your spouse, your girlfriend, I know I'm going to create tension here, and, and this might get emails to say, like, don't ever invite this idiot back after he said this. Can they grab this, and they can, can they look at your history whenever they feel like it? Can they grab this, and can they go through and see where you've been and who you're on with social media? Or, or you may say, well, we got so much trust, we don't need to do that. Maybe you have not enough trust where you can't do that, right? Maybe, maybe it's the opposite is true, in fact. And stop thinking when you feel tense and you feel that tension, that's really sometimes the spirit of God saying, man, I love you, I care about you, and I'm calling you to a greater level of character. I'm inviting you to a life where you don't have to feel like you're compromising or you have to feel like you're hiding anymore. See, Jesus invites us to this place of freedom. In fact, in, in the scripture in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus says, it's really, I've set people free for freedom's sake so they could be free. So they don't have to hang their head low. So they don't have to feel bad all the time and, and guilt and shame and condemnation, all that crap that makes us feel terrible. He's like, it's actually for freedom's sake. This awesome guy just had a chance to do his, his wedding. His name's Harry Blaker, and he's at our campus. And he goes, man, it's so crazy because Jill, she knows everything about me. And I'm like, that's awesome, man. He goes, no, 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 everything, you know. And I'm like, it's great. And he goes, no, you don't get it. I've spent my whole life, my first two marriages, hiding alcohol, hiding financial problems, hiding gambling, hiding this. And, and, and I'm not hiding anything from her, and it feels incredible. And I'm like, yeah. And we're just like, we're all pumped up. And people are probably looking at like the groom and the pastor are arguing or fighting or dancing. We don't, we don't know what they're doing up there, but they're really intense, you know. We don't get it. 
And I'm telling you, like, this is a big deal. Solomon says, walk with the wise and you become wise. For a companion of fools will eventually suffer harm. And say, does this mean I have to get rid of my friends? Not at all. I want you to be compassionate. Jesus was full of compassion to love people. But I want you to have wisdom when you're doing it. One of the greatest stories I've ever heard, and we'll wrap up as the band comes and gets ready to lead you into some response moment. This guy named John Dittmar, and uh, he was incredible. He was just literally celebrated again, his story coming off the heels of 9-11, which seems like forever ago, but we were reminded just a week ago that it wasn't really forever ago, that it still impacts people's lives. He's this incredible man. He worked for an insurance company. He was on the 105th floor, South Tower. And all of a sudden, they heard things strike, and things took place, and everything was rattled up, and before they knew it, man, there was smoke blazing, there was just haze, there was just, it was a, a nightmare. And, and for many people, they were caught in shock. And his group specifically had 54 people in it, his insurance company. John Dittmar well, ran to the main door, and before you know it, there were firefighters there at the door, and they were beginning to lead people out, and they said, you got to come. But for whatever reason, his area of the office was just billowed with smoke, and you couldn't see, and it was a disaster, man. It was crazy. And they're like, what should we do? And you know, he begins to walk out, and he notices he only walked out with like four people, but he knows there's 54 souls in that building. There's 54 souls in his office. And they get down maybe a flight, and he turns to the firefighter, and he says, we've got to go back up. There, there's people in there. You know, there's people in there, and the firefighter is urging him, no, you can't go back in. You can't do that. You've got to come this way. And he's like, no. And he finally, he breaks free in contrast to what the firefighter is asking him to do, and he runs back up this flight of stairs and goes in there and begins to yell, hey, hey, if you can hear me. It's John, follow me, follow my voice, come on. And he's, he's just crying out and he's yelling and they're beginning to, people start coming and he, he starts getting them one at a time and he walks them out and he's counting in his mind. He's like, I know there was me and my friend Stephen and that's a third person and the fourth and he, he's standing there and the heat is unbelievable. You can't even understand what he's experiencing, the level of fear being distraught, the smoke is beginning to invade his lungs and burn like fire. And he's like number 33, and he's counting his mind, number 30, and he's getting, and he's like, I know there's 54, there's 54, we can't even leave one behind. We can't do it. Finally, they all make it out, and they begin to go down the stairs, the firefighter, and he comes down the back, and he says, just listen to my voice and keep going. Listen to my voice and keep going. And all the way down these flights, they're going. John Dittmar literally today spends time, and he goes to conferences all across America, and he shares the power of being in, like on a team, the power of being in a relationship, the power of friendship, the power of being in community, kind of like what was advertised earlier, these connect groups. There could be so much power you're missing out on in your life, the power of true friendship. And he was asked, why did you do that? Why did you go back in? And he made a simple statement. He said, a friend always goes back in. I thought of his life and I thought of the people that would have perished. I think of you and I think of me and I think of who are the friends in our life that would love us that we could call at two in the morning? Are we friends that people can call upon at two in the morning? Are we living a community full of wisdom? Are we the wise people that others are wanting to walk with? Are we walking with the wise? Are we living this abundant, amazing, spectacular life so much so that we would go back in for a friend because a friend goes back in? Like, is that what Grumbleau is going to be known for? I think it is. I just want to close as they get ready to move into this next song. Jesus paid it all. I just want to pray that God would somehow soften our hearts if our defenses have been up 
and that he would help us understand this beautiful idea of friendship that one friendship and another begins to create community and the power of community how it can reshape the world